Welcome back to Bruce Bites. I'm Bruce. Today, I'm reading out of a different book. I'm reading out of the Self-Compassion, The Proven Power of Being Kind to Yourself. And this is by Kristen Neff. A couple of things before I get into it. I was reading the Stephen Covey book, and I did have in mind to try to finish that book. But honestly, as I was reading it, there were some of the parts at the beginning were kind of slow. And I thought, well, should I still try to finish it? Like, is that the right thing to do is, is, is to finish and not give up? And I thought, well, you can give it a break and come back to it. But in my mind, I had, I thought the first season, if you will, would be all one book. But it turns out that's not going to be the case. I will still get through the book, but there's other books that I'm reading that I also want to do bites on. I, I had uh, picked up this self-compassion book a while ago. Well, not picked it up as much as I like downloaded it um, from Kindle. Somebody suggested it. Maybe my therapist suggested it. I can't remember. I started reading the book and I thought, oh, this is good. But then I started reading other books. I forgot about it. And I right now I'm struggling personally with how to be compassionate to myself. I have been working through things, some traumatic experiences uh, through uh, in therapy, and it has been powerful, but I also, I don't really know how to care or comfort myself. And it turns out I am not the only person. (laughs) I just happened to watch a YouTube video with Kristen in it, and she was being interviewed. And I thought, oh my God, I want to get this book right now. And I downloaded the Audible version and Then I thought, why don't you read some of this book on your show? So that's what I'm going to do. Today we'll get into self-compassion, the proven power of, what is it? Proven power of of being kind to yourself. Just to set the framework, there are five parts. We are going to start with part one which is why self-compassion, question mark. There's some acknowledgments in here. I'm skipping those. Part one, why self-compassion? And we are now in chapter one, um, discovering self-compassion. She starts with the quote. This kind of compulsive concern with I, me, and mine isn't the same as loving ourselves. Loving ourselves points us to capacities of resilience, compassion, and understanding within that are simply part of being alive. Oh, loving ourselves to capacities of resilience, compassion, and understanding within that are simply part of being alive. I'm still not sure if I read that right or with the right emphasis. That's from Sharon Salzberg, The Force of Kindness. Now we'll get into the text. In this incredibly competitive society of ours, how many of us truly feel good about ourselves? 
Mm. I'm going to read that opening line again. (laughs) In this incredibly competitive society of ours, how many of us truly feel good about ourselves? I'm supposed to read first and then go into the analysis, but I, I'll, just, I'll just say this up front right now. I was just at the gym and I go to a gym here in D.C. that is, it's a nice gym. And it's, it seems 80%, 85% gay guys. And sometimes it's just a lot of pressure because they... It, it doesn't, well, maybe it does feel cruisy. I'm not totally sure because I can't, we ha- we're wearing masks right now and I can't see people's facial expressions, but I'm looking at their bodies. I'm looking at these short guys. I'm six foot four, but I'm looking at these short guys and they have these big legs and butts. And I look at other guys, I don't know, who seem like they're attractive and who seem very comfortable and confident in the gym and I have these moments of like big time insecurity. I was trying out new exercises today and I thought, oh my God, I'm gonna look stupid trying out these new exercises. And there was a personal trainer next to me who was working with someone. And I thought, oh my God, this trainer is looking at me probably thinking, this guy needs help. He's doing these exercises wrong. And there was a guy who was, also working out next to me and he looked like really serious and he was lifting a lot of weight and I had some light weights because I'm you know recovering my I sprained my shoulder and also just because I was trying new exercises exercises and didn't want to go too hard well anyway I'm thinking all of this while I'm working out self-conscious I'm like what am I wearing I think my pants are too short And here's the thing with all of this. I'm aware that a lot of us have that voice in our head that says, you're not good enough. What's wrong with you? And it's a very mean voice. And I just want to say to that voice, who the fuck gave you the permission to be in my head and make me feel miserable? That voice hardly says anything positive. It's always talking about you're not good enough. You don't fit in with these people. You're not as attractive as these people. Like it only has negative things to say. And I'm like, what the fuck? Where does that voice come from? And why would it, if it's such a dominant, it's, it's such a dominating voice and it's so negative and it just walks around with me everywhere. And I'm like, we got to figure this out. I cannot, this is not sustainable, you know? So yeah, I meant to, I meant to journal about that, but it it came up while I was just talking here. I'm going to start over. In this incredibly competitive society of ours, how many of us truly feel good about ourselves? It seems such a fleeting thing. Feeling good, especially as we need to feel special and above average to feel worthy. 
Anything less seems like a failure. I remember once as a freshman in college, after spending hours getting ready for a big party, I complained to my boyfriend that my hair, makeup, and outfit were woefully inadequate. He tried to reassure me by saying, don't worry, you look fine. Fine? Oh, great. I always wanted to look fine. The desire to feel special is understandable. The problem is that by definition, it's impossible for everyone to be above average at the same time. The problem is that by definition, it's impossible for everyone to be above average at the same time. Although there are some ways in which we excel, there is always someone smarter, prettier, more successful. How do we cope with this? Not very well. To see ourselves positively, we tend to inflate our own egos and put others down so that we can feel good in comparison. But this strategy comes at a price. It holds us back from reaching our full potential in life. Distorting mirrors. If I have to feel better than you to feel good about myself, then how clearly am I really going to see you or myself for that matter? If I have to feel better than you to feel good about myself, then how clearly am I really going to see you or myself for that matter? Let's say I had a stressful day at work and I'm grumpy and irritable. She goes into this example about how this, how uh, the wife comes home and she asked the husband to get the groceries and the gross and the husband's like, yeah, or, or I just got in the house. Why are you asking me this question? And she's like, well, because normally you don't get them. And he was like, well, I got them today. And then she's like, well, um, well, I mean, well, that's a surprise because normally you don't get them. And that's the exchange. Cutting back to the book. Why is it so hard to admit when we step out of line, are rude or act impatient? Hang on. Why is it? <laughs> Why is it so hard to admit when we step out of line, are rude or act impatient? It's because our ego feels so much better when we project our flaws and shortcomings onto someone else. Amen to that. It's your fault, not mine. Just think about all the arguments and fights that grow out of this simple dynamic. Each person blames the other for saying or doing something wrong, justifying their own actions as if their life depended on it, while both know in their heart of hearts that it takes two to tango. How much time do we waste like this? Wouldn't it be so much better if we could just fess up and play fair? But change is easier said than done. Amen. It's almost impossible to notice those aspects of ourselves that cause problems relating to others or that keep us from reaching our full potential if we can't see ourselves clearly. How can we grow if we don't acknowledge our own weaknesses? How can we grow if we don't acknowledge our own weaknesses? We might temporarily feel better about ourselves by ignoring our flaws 
or by believing our issues and difficulties are somebody else's fault. But in the long run, we only harm ourselves by getting stuck in endless cycles of stagnation and conflict. I want to read one more section and then I'll stop the reading. The cost of self-judgment. Continually feeding our need for positive self-evaluation is a bit like stuffing ourselves with candy or for me, cake. <laughs> or for me, that was me talking, not her as the, 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 the author. We get a brief sugar high, then a crash. And right after the crash comes a pendulum swing to despair as we realize that however much we'd like to, we can't always blame our problems on someone else. Oh, we need to read that again. Continually feeding our need for positive self-evaluation is a bit like stuffing ourselves with candy or insert your own favorite food. We get a brief sugar high, then a crash. And right after the crash comes a pendulum swing to despair as we realize that however much we'd like to, we can't always blame our problems on someone else. We can't always feel special and above average. Those words bother me. It, it, that's a, it's a truth. We can't always feel special and above average, but reading that makes me uncomfortable. Like, we can't? Are you sure? Is there not a way for me to... Um, to always feel special and above average. Mm. Back to the text. The result is often devastating. We look in the mirror and don't like what we see, both literally and figuratively. Ugh, gosh. And the shame starts to set in. Most of us are incredibly hard on ourselves when we finally admit some flaw or shortcoming. I'm not good enough. I'm worthless. It's not surprising that we hide the truth from ourselves when honesty is met with such harsh condemnation. In areas where it is hard to fool ourselves, when comparing our weight to those of magazine models, for instance, or our bank accounts to those of the rich and successful, we cause ourselves incredible amounts of emotional pain. We lose faith in ourselves, start doubting our potential, and become hopeless. Of course, this sorry state just yields more self-condemnation for being such a do-nothing loser. And down, down we go. You know, there's one more paragraph, but I, this is coming up for me right now. I don't want to live the rest of my life this way. I don't want to live the rest of my life judging myself so critically, needing validation from other people in a very specific way. And when I don't get it in the very specific way that I want it, I am angry. Like, that's not sustainable. I just, I don't want that. I really don't want that for my life. I mean... When I first started, when I first picked up this book years ago, I was reading it. There's a lot of things I have in here 
that I highlighted because it just it just jumped out at me. Um, this line here, we look in the mirror and don't like what we see, both literally and figuratively, and the shame starts to set in. I paid attention to this at one point. Maybe uh, it might it was probably a couple of years ago, but I was like, every time you look in the mirror, like see what you say about yourself. And I would look at the mirror and I'd be like, oh, like I have a scar on my stomach from surgery and it bothers me and I wish I wouldn't have it so that I could have a beautiful six pack. Um, and even when I had a six pack, I would look in my stomach and just be unhappy. But for this period, I, was, I would look at myself in the mirror and I would notice how, how I never said anything nice. I was always finding something critical about myself. And like, that's no way to live. I mean, you can live that way. But, oh my God, that just seems so miserable because it was. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Final paragraph. Even if we do manage to get our act together, the goalposts for what counts as good enough seem always to remain frustratingly out of reach. I love this sentence right here. We must be smart and fit and fashionable and interesting and successful and sexy. Oh, and spiritual too. And no matter how well we do, someone else always seems to be doing it better. God damn. Isn't that the truth? <sighs> the, result of <laughs> the result of this line of thinking is sobering. Millions of people need to take pharmaceuticals every day just to cope with daily life. Hello. Oh, my God. I'm one of them. Um, I'm doing better. I was on several, and now I'm, I was like, these. I don't want to take these anymore. I want to learn how to manage my emotions. Wow. Insecurity, anxiety, and depression are incredibly common in our society. And much of this is due to self-judgment to beating ourselves up when we feel we aren't winning in the game of life. Insecurity, anxiety, and depression are incredibly common in our society. I believe that. And much of this is due to self-judgment. I'm not sure. To beating ourselves up when we feel we aren't winning in the game of life. I'm thinking about whether I agree with that or not. Um, I don't know. Mental health is a loaded topic. Uh, but I do think it is, it is hard to constantly be so mean to yourself in your head, but to not, but you know, to like be nice to other people. And but you turn around and be really angry or, or disappointed in yourself. And I think she actually talks about this a little bit later. Here's the lesson in this. I think if, we, if there's a takeaway mess, takeaway message, I'm going to suggest that you do the very thing that I did. When you just just look at it for the next couple of days. Um, when you get in front of the mirror, what's your first thought? And like the second thought and third thought. And how many thoughts do you have to go through before you look at your body and 
accept it and say, this is my body and I want to treat it well and because you only get one and I want to do my best to look my best, but I can't be, you know, extreme or radical about it necessarily. Like, see how long, see how long it takes for you to say something nice and see how quickly it is for you to say something bad about your body. You might do this and you might say, oh, I always think good about my body. And that's great. You're definitely in the minority. This is not for the minority. This is for the majority of people who don't like their boobs or their butt or their thighs or their calves or their chest muscles or their arms or their face, their skin, their hair, their skin color, their weight. Did I already say their weight? Some people are hippie, got a lot of hip, you know, um, some people got a lot of junk in the trunk, which generally I think now is acceptable, but hmm. um, I mean, people got a lot going on. So do that. I will be back in the next couple of days, uh, maybe with Kobe, maybe with a different book. I don't know. Uh, thank you all for listening. And I look forward to talking to you again soon.